superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. We wake up every day saying, how can we make this show better than the day before? Because we're lead pipe wielding professionals. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Show. What? Show. Hello? Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. But if he does this and he plays, there's no other way to put it other than, oh my God, Tiger Woods. Tiger, 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 Tiger Woods, Joe. <laughs> All right, be careful. I don't want to slap anybody. Earlier on the show, ESPN college basketball analyst, Jay Billis. Coming up, Mississippi quarterback, Matt Car- Former NFL executive Joe Banner, New York Post columnist Ian O'Connor, and now it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. We just said goodbye to Jay Billis. We're soon to say hello to Joe Banner, longtime executive in the NFL and certainly in Philadelphia. And there was a uh, a trade atop the NFL draft yesterday that. Um, Normally would make big-time news if it wasn't a national championship Monday between Kansas and North Carolina that turned out to be a heck of a game. And then now Tiger Woods, y'all, is saying he, as of right now, going to play in the Masters. And it looks like he's going to be out there on Thursday right in the middle of the morning, 10.30-something Local time in Augusta National. He said today, uh, not only as of right now is he going to play, but he was asked... Point blank, does he think that he was has the ability to win the Masters this year? I do. That was his answer. <laughs> and he didn't stutter. And he stared down whoever yeah. asked the question. I do. Yeah. And he didn't smile. He didn't smirk. He this didn't, is it, man. He was, He's locked he in. It's dead ma- on, locked in. It's loaded. Masters week. Yeah. I do. It, it, it's Masters week. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that with Ian O'Connor, who joins us uh, in hour number three. He wrote the book, literally, on Coach K., um, and has been covering Tiger for quite some time. Um, and uh, he writes for the New York Post. So we'll ask him about uh, who's going to start opening day for the Mets. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> you, you just be careful. Look both ways before crossing the street to get to Flushing uh, Meadows, New York. Joe Banner will uh, join us in, again, 18 minutes time to give us a heads up on what he thinks the Saints were up to and what the Eagles got and what their long-term plan at quarterback may be. They now have a little bit more flexibility in next year's draft. They already have the flexibility in this year's draft. And the question is, is who might fall to them and where will the quarterbacks wind up? And we've got one of the top quarterback prospects available in this year's draft. Joining us right now on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. So um, what's April looking like for you right now? You got visits lined up? Walk me through what uh, what your week and rest of the month looks like for you right now. Well, as soon as the combine ended, uh, I got, um, you know, yeah, I got the Zoom meetings. I got the private workouts and uh, the visits. Visits coming up starting next week. Um, was supposed to go to New Orleans um, last Thursday, but due to weather, we had to postpone it. Um but you know, tomorrow I'm going. I'm going to go to Orange County and uh, see my guy John Beck and get some work in. And um, you know, it, it's a constant work every single day. But 
you know, you gotta, you gotta love it. Cause you know, you only do this once and I'm, you know, I'm, st- I'm about to start doing what I was dreaming of doing when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is going to be the most traveling in a month you do um, maybe for the rest of your life, you know, yeah. you, you never know. So what's your itinerary? So you, are you rescheduled New Orleans, I imagine? And, and who else are yeah. you going to go pay a visit to? Who are you going to see? Uh, I want to say the uh, Panthers, Steelers, um, want to say Atlanta and others, uh, uh, Eagles. Okay. So those are the ones that, and are there any that you've already seen outside of them, personally? Uh, no, I have not. I mean, I remember going to the NFLPA, and I remember visiting the the Eagles facility. I remember just being in awe going there. That was pretty. It was a pretty cool, fun experience. Well, now, other than your personal, um, your physical health, and how you're recovering from uh, your bowl game injury, what's the most um, often uh, or common question that's being asked of you, Matt Corral, in this process? Um, you know, I would say just what type of leader I am. And I think that's, that's just a common question that I've been asked frequently. And, uh, you know, I, I just tell them like I'm a servant leader and I, I wouldn't ask anybody to do something that I would, I wouldn't do. And, um, you know, they know that because I'm constantly showing that on a day to day basis. And that's the answer you, you provide. What, what like, give me the answer that you provide to that. No, that is the answer I provide. I mean, okay. it, 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 it's it's short and sweet, but I mean, it's um, you know, it 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 answers everything, you know, because I mean, you ask anybody in that facility, they they'll, they'll tell you. And what, your decision to play in your bowl game, are you asked about that at all, Matt? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, the I mean, I've been asked. I've, I've been asked this frequently as well. Um, you know, I, I I knew, you know, I would never be in that position without. You know, my teammates, um, you know, specifically everybody that has contributed from scout team to, you know, just being just uh, just, you know, you know, being the ball boy. I think I feel like everybody uh, takes credit, um, you know, for being a part of being a part of this, you know, the team that we had. Um, you know, I, I would have never been in that spot without those guys. And I think that. I don't think they under, really understood that because, you know, it, it never crossed my mind that I wasn't going to play. The only reason why I had to make it, make it a thing, and you know, announce that was because people were coming up to me on my team, asking me if I was going to play, mm-hmm. and that had never even crossed my mind. And um, that was something that kind of, you know, was a curveball just because I didn't think people would be thinking that. But I mean, you know, I let them know. Um, I want to say this was after the state game our last game of the season and I went in that next Saturday and I just wanted to let or that that Friday and I wanted to let them know that you know exactly what what I just said you know I, I wouldn't be in this position without you guys and you know I'm gonna give it all until it's over well what was going through your mind when you got hurt in that game my my heart was in my throat we've never met you know um and I I I, I just watched that and I got sick to my stomach seeing that because I, you know, was wanting to see you at the combine and see you work out and I didn't know how serious it was and things like that. What was going through your mind on the sideline that uh, day? First thought, my first thought was my family. Um, and then right after, uh, my family was, was just my dream. You know, I just thought it was over. <laughs> I didn't know how bad or, you know, what had happened, but I just knew it hurt. It hurt a lot <laughs> and the pain wasn't, 
wasn't settling at all. Like it just kept going up and up and up. And I was just like, this is not good in my head. And I just remembered like not being able to put weight on it. And it was scary. It was scary. Definitely. Just because I, I had no idea what had happened. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm grabbing my ankle and I can't feel it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to, to, to finally find out that it was, you know, just a high ankle sprain and there's no breaks or tears and, you know, that I made a full recovery. Matt Corral here on the Rich Eisen Show. I heard your phone buzz before. Was that Brett Michaels texting you, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, it was not. Okay, it was not? Okay. But I, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to Brett uh, throughout this process. He really wants me to land a, uh, land Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I was that was my next uh, question because he was here in studio last month, uh, Matt, and he didn't need me to bring your name up. He was talking about you and your family and he considers you family and loves you. And, you know, and man, does he want you to be the next quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the worst way? Big time. Yeah, I, I mean, I have the utmost respect for the Michaels family. I mean, what they've done for me is, you know, something that something that I can never repay them for. You know, they're there for me in, in, in tough times and, you know, helping me through and just showing me guidance and, you know, being able to be there for me when, when I felt like nobody was. And that's something that I can, you know, never repay them back for. But, you know, the Michaels family there, you know, Brett, Brett's really pushing. <laughs> Brett's really pushing Mr. Rooney for, the, for them to pick me. <laughs> so, oh, so he's going top down? Not, he's, that's what he's doing right now? With your evaluation in the Steelers, he's he's going to the top, and he's like saying, "This is who oh, you should draft." I mean, I don't know specifically. Yes, who I know, I know. I mean, he used to live next to the GM, one of the one of the owners of the Steelers. I don't know who it was, mm-hmm. but that was his neighbor, and they they'd always talk a lot. And I know he brought, I know he brought my name up. <laughs> well, that's that's odd that Brett would talk. I'll be honest to anybody, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> he's he's just uh, honestly he was just the, the greatest uh guest and the breath of fresh air and he's just such a, a good how, how long have you known him like what's your what's the story there um Matt? ever since i was a, a freshman in high school okay yeah i'm i'm towards the end of my freshman year of high school i i met i met them and their family and you know they're really great people all around Really genuine, down-to-earth people. I love it. Matt Corral here on the Rich Eisen Show. How much uh, did you ever hear from Eli Manning? Your, your, any connection there and two cents that he might be giving you in this process or throughout your time at Ole Miss, Matt Corral? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember he would come into the facilities and watch and uh, watch film with us and just um, you know ask ask questions here and there when we were, when we would be watching film. But um, you know, Eli, he's. He's been a great communicator when I when I've been asking questions just because, you know, I want you know, I just wanted to pick his brain a little bit and, you know, he he just told me to be myself and that's honestly the best you know, the best advice I've ever gotten just because you know, you don't really understand that and so you're like towards the end of this process to where it's like you need to because it, it took a lot for me to just be uh just to be to, just to be myself in these interviews and, you know, don't don't try to make it, you know, don't make it not authentic. You know, you want to be real in them and you want to, you know, show that you're, you're, you're not, you know, just BSing your way through these, these interviews. And, you know, you really, you really don't have anything to lose if you just, you know, be yourself, you know, you're going to end up in the spot you're going to end up at. And that's something you have no control over. So might as well, you know, be yourself and not be somebody you're not just so you can end up in the correct spot that, that will, that will build, 
that would build you as a player on and off the field for as long as you're as, as long as you're there. And how has Lane Kiffin uh, unlocked anything for you, Matt? What do you got? Uh, I mean, Kiff just just being there and you know giving me the confidence I need. Just um, you know, not necessarily just being um, you know telling me everything good about me and all that, but he he pushed me to be a great quarterback and a great leader. Um, at first, and I'll never forget this. He he told me um, before I was even a starter. I remember he he just got out of meeting um, saying that you know the slates wiped clean. Doesn't matter if you started here last year or not. Um, we're we're trying to find put this team together, and there's no starters as of right now. And I remember after the first two days of um, spring practice, you know, he, he told me like face to face, like behind after a meeting, he told me that you know you have you have elite arm talent, and you have you have the tools of what it takes to be a great quarterback at the next level. And I don't, you know, I've heard that I've heard that a bunch of not a bunch of times, but like people have told me that and. I, I don't know, just when he told me that, it kind of hit differently just because of, you know, who said it. You know, he's been there and done that. So it's like, okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I am being too hard on myself and maybe I need to start, you know, believing in myself and having this confidence and swag about myself that hmm. that I am that dude. Yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest piece of advice Link Kiffin's given you, Matt? Where you kind of look at him like, coach, really? Like, has he ever done that? Anything <laughs> like that? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of one right now. Okay. Okay. Um, All right, I'll accept that. Yeah, no, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything like. I mean, anything that's crazy. No, I, I mean, there's nothing that he's told me that's too out there to where it's like, what, do you, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so he hasn't said, hey, when you speak to Eli, uh, tell Uncle Eli uh, hello to his nephew for from me. He hasn't said that. At all? Any no, point no time? he has not said that. Okay. Hmm. If you're, while you're talking to Eli, just tell him, uh, again, because Eli does obviously know how great uh, everything is there at Ole Miss. All right, so uh, are you going to be in Vegas? Do you have plans to be in Las Vegas on draft night, Matt Corral? Uh, I'm currently figuring that out with my agent and my family right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they, I, I was presented the opportunity, too, so, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking it over right now, and I think uh, – I think it's something that I want to do, but you know, I just got to make sure everyone's on the same page. Of course, you know, going up there. Sure. And so, uh, if you do that, do you have a suit already picked out? Do you have something already set? Uh, that's in the process of being made. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's happening while you're going to go around the country and put your best foot forward and go get drafted somewhere. Pretty much. That's what you're saying. Yes, yes sir. I uh, I got some. Um, I got I got some ideas of about the suit and just you know some Ole Miss memories maybe. Okay. I mean, all right. We got that. We got that all. We'll we'll take a look out for all of that. Hey Matt. Um. Good luck to you. Uh, I look forward to spending more time on the phone or here in person. Um. Here in Southern California, anytime you want. Good luck to you. I look forward to seeing where you really land. Appreciate it, Rich. Thank you for having me on. The Absolutely, show. man. I look forward to Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays and what have you with you, Matt Corral. Let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Take care. That's Matt Corral. Brett Michaels wants him in Pittsburgh. Could he be the guy for New Orleans? Could he be the guy that Carolina says, you know what, let's go get him at six? Can he be somebody that pops into the, somebody pops into the end of the first round for him? What a prospect. What an interesting yeah. prospect Matt Corral is. You hear people say he's the one who's pro-ready. He's the one that can be the guy. Or he's not their cup of tea. Interesting. Where will he wind up?
Yeah, it's fascinating. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Joe Banner will join us right here on the Rich Eisen Show to tell us what in the hell was that trade between the Saints and the Eagles all about. And then uh, a fascinating development for this year's first round of the draft uh, that I have not seen. And I've uh, I've done this many times. How many days of the draft? Uh, uh, 23. We're now 23, 23. days. Well, I'm in my prep for, for, for the draft. Nice. Um, and uh, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> And I've done every draft since 2005. You've been prepping for a long time, too. Oh, gosh. So. That's coming up next. Mercedes-Benz wants to ask you, when was the last time you considered your dream? I mean, really thought about it. Chris Brockman's dream, for instance, would be me slagging all over my former colleagues at ESPN. <laughs> Come on. That would be his dream, which I would never do, ever. <laughs> at, least, at least not when the camera's on. I say it's time for you and your dream, not his, to get back together. Think about it. You could live the van life at a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour around all 423 national parks. Like, you know what? You could get a Sprinter and go to Vegas and go to the draft. Could you imagine showing up at the NFL draft and a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Or yes. maybe you could start. I know. Yeah. <laughs> do it. That's your dream. You could start your own business, too. Because it's a Mercedes-Benz van that we're talking about. You can expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine that runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz van dealership and get that Sprinter. Tell them your dream sent you. Joe Banner, heads or tails on yesterday's big Saints-Eagles draft in a moment. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So, you know, we, we've been, uh, we've been, this has been a drop on our program for about a year and a half now. It's one of my favorite lines from Ocean Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, you got that, that line? For, I think it was Clooney looks at the Brad Pitt character and says, we need one more, Right. Yeah, they're like when they're, stealing with, the plans for the, all the casinos. Well, like, they, they need one more. The they need one more guy, and right? They're talking. No, through. I think they sit at a bar, aren't they? It's, it turns. Yeah, they're at a bar. Oh, they're at the bar. They turn okay. at a bar. Yeah, Confusing right. Using Clooney speech. And then he says this. He says this too. Do you think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. We we'll get one more. Brad Pitt doesn't even say a word. He just talks. He basically doesn't need to say anything. That's the way everybody's looking at first round draft choices. I think in this year's NFL draft. You're right. A remarkable number of teams have multiple first-round draft choices right now. I've never seen this before. The Giants have two. The Jets have two. The Texans have two. The Eagles went from three down to two. The Saints had one and said, we need one more. Yeah, we got to get one more. They've now, they now have two. The Packers have two, thanks to their 
trade with Devontae Adams. The Chiefs took one of the draft choices that the Niners gave Miami to trade up in last year's draft. They took one of those first-rounders and gave it to the Chiefs for Tyreek Hill. And as we all know, the ultimate first big shot fired in the non-playing season of last year or the uh, you know transaction period of last season was the Rams flipping a one for um, and sending Jared Goff to the Lions, multiple ones for Matthew Stafford. So you've got eight teams with 16 draft choices. A quarter of the league is taking up currently one half of the first round of the NFL draft in 2022. I've never seen that before. One of the people to help us talk about it right now, a longtime executive in the National Football League, certainly with the Eagles as well. Joe Banner back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Joe? Good. Great to be on with you. I assume you have a Brad Pitt character in that analogy. That would be you, Joe. That's you. Uh, I don't think so. I'm Clooney. You're Pitt. Thank you. Okay. That's <laughs> we're, that, at least that's the way we're rolling right now. Um, why we're do you think... eighty degrees from that, just for the record. What do you think is happening um, where, where, where people are amassing multiple first-round picks in this year's draft or looked from last year to this year's draft said, let's get in for another. What do you think is happening, Joe? I think that what's happening is a chunk of the league is realizing that with a cap going up $25 million a year, the value of draft picks is less. And one of the great values of draft picks is you have inexpensive players for four, five, six years, depending upon you know where you drafted them, et cetera. If you can, as we've seen the Rams do, um, although some of that is mischaracterized, if you can acquire players that are sure things when you have lots of money and lots of more money coming in the future, then the first-round draft pick is a lot less valuable. So the teams with specific needs are like an Eagles that's positioning themselves in case they need a quarterback for which they will need lots of draft picks are cherishing those draft picks. The teams that feel like they're good enough and close to winning they're going to have the room as the cap grows so quickly to fit in additional players, and the less predictable, less certain quality of the draft picks becomes less valuable. So I think there's a few other factors, but to me that's kind of the headline explanation. We've seen this happening slowly as the jumps in the cap became larger. It slowed down a bit last year when we had the issues with COVID and it affected the economics of the league so much. Now we're looking at two, three, four years where $25 million increase in the cap is probably somewhat conservative. So you don't have to have those inexpensive draft picks into the same degree you did not too long ago when people needed those draft picks so they could sign the Ramses of the world. Now they don't need to do that because they're getting a gift that's equivalent to almost the most expensive non-quarterback in football is how much the cap's going up every year. Hmm. Joe Banner here on the Rich Eisen Show, longtime NFL executive. Okay, what do you think uh, of the Saints-Eagles trade? Let's take it one at a time here. What do, what do you think the Saints are up to? by striking this deal? You know, it's hard to understand. I mean, they have been a team that is a little more short-term thinking than most, so even with some cap challenges that kind of contradict what I just said, you'd think they'd be appreciating the value of draft picks. What they really did is just move to pick forward. So a pick that they should have had in 23, they moved to 22. Now, you know, I think they paid a steep price for that. But if we really want to simplify what happened, instead of having one pick in 22 and one pick in 23, the Saints are going to have two picks in 22 and no picks in 23 in the first round. So you'd think that they were targeting somebody, but I don't know how three weeks before the draft, in the middle of the first round, you'd know enough about who's going to be there 
course, the other possibility is they're planning on using those picks to trade up for somebody. But I'm in the school of not thinking there's a good enough quarterback in this draft that that's warranted. So I'm not sure what the Saints are doing. I did not think they did a great job on this trade, even if we're just talking about the negotiation and I want to make this deal, but what's the cheapest price I can pay and still get it? I think they were overly aggressive. So what 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 don't you like? What do you think they how they maybe got had in a way here? Yeah, well, this is what happened. I mean, the Eagles basically moved back, you know, or uh, from 19 to 18, mm-hmm. and then they traded the 16th pick. And what they got for the 16th pick is a one, a three this year, a one next year, and a two the year after. So to me, that seems like a huge price to pay for the 16th pick in the draft, and we've seen teams. You know, play that, pay that to move from ten to three or whatever. We've seen teams acquire some superstar players for that kind of compensation. I mean, Ramsey and Tunsil were two ones. You could argue that one, a two, and a three is is almost as much as you're paying for a Tunsil and Ramsey, and you're getting the sixteenth pick, and you're not even sure who's going to be there. So, for me to have paid that much with that uncertainty for a pick at that range in the draft seems like a very, very good deal for the Eagles which they should be applauded, and they consistently make strong trades. And for me, it's kind of a question mark on what's the Saints' next step, or they they really give up a 1, 2, and a 3 just to move a draft pick from 23 into 22. Well, what don't you think? I, I, I would think that there has to be, um, uh, I shouldn't say it's so certainty, but you'd think that there's another move here, that they've already spoken to somebody maybe top 5, top 10, saying we want to get up there, and whatever they just coughed up to the Eagles for this first rounder is the cost of doing business to get where they wanted to go for the player that they've already identified. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's certainly possible, and it would make more sense if that's the case. But at least from my few phone calls, and nobody in the media is reporting, for example, did they call the Giants who have two picks in the top ten? Because I'd be surprised if they couldn't get one of those picks for this big a package. If I'm sitting at nine and you say to me, you get a one and a two and a three, and you get you still have that top five pick, and that's all it's going to cost you, you get a one, two, and a three, and you get people that took over in Giants, and I give them credit because they're not trying to kind of win the offseason in their first year, you know, why wouldn't they do that? So that's why I said I don't know if the value is there, even if that's the strategy. They, you'd think they'd go to the teams with the top ten picks first and say, listen, can I just make one move here? And actually trade my 18 this year, my one next year, I'm trading two ones. That's really what they did. And I'm getting back for it a higher pick than 16. That, to me, that's the mystery. At 16, I don't care who you are. You don't know who's going to be there. Unless you've got some real sleeper, you're absolutely positive. And then why are you trading all this to get up if he's a true sleeper? So it's totally plausible to me that you're right. And they have two picks now. They can move up if they want to. But if, they, if that's what they're doing, I would have gone to the teams that have two picks, at least one of which is higher than that. And maybe they did, but the few calls I've made to people and just watching the media, no one has put anything out like that. So I'm, I'm feeling like they probably didn't actually do that. Joe Banner here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's get to the Eagles side of things. Is this viewed as, you know, look, uh, somebody knocked on their door and it was too good to not do? They already have two others, right? They improved on one of them. And they coughed up uh, another into next year. Is this could could we view this as a hedge on Jalen Hurts again? Is that a possibility for us to take a look at it that way? Do you think? I don't think it's a possibility. I think that's exactly what's happening. I mean, I think the Eagles' attitude is: listen, 
the market is not allowing us to maybe go after what we'd like to find in a quarterback now, and we see some positives in Jalen. So no harm in giving him another year. Let's see how much he can develop and where we're at. To be honest, I think they're a little skeptical about that. Uh, but what they're trying to do is make sure. And this is maybe nobody in the league that if we look at their history all the way back to when we got Donald McNabb and look what they did with Wentz and Michael Vick. I mean, there's no team in the league that has demonstrated their commitment to try to get a difference-making quarterback than the Eagles. I mean, just look at how much they traded to get up and Wentz. Let's forget they ended up getting the evaluation wrong. But it was a real commitment to trying to get a difference-making quarterback. So I think what the Eagles are saying, okay, this is kind of no-lose. We're getting great value in the trade. If Hurts turns out to be the guy, we've got all these resources, two ones this year, two ones next year, plus these other things, to surround him with even better talent. If he's even better than what we think he is at the moment, we've got a great plan to go forward. If not, they've positioned themselves at this early date with as many resources available to trade up and get one of the quarterbacks who will be in next year's draft. Everybody seems to agree is a lot stronger than this year's draft, although that's not a very high bar to hit. So I think that's exactly what it is. The Eagles are creating an insurance policy here, and frankly, one I think they think they're probably going to need. Hmm. But if they don't, no harm done. And if they do, very smart to have anticipated before you know, it was too late or some of these other teams had made trades and weren't still interested in having this kind of a conversation. Walk me through the skepticism on Hertz, Joe. Walk me through. You know, I think that you're seeing a quarterback who in a uh, run-oriented offense, like what they ran the second half of last year, uh, what we see the Ravens doing, what we see somewhat what the Arizona's doing, Las Vegas, um, in Arizona, sorry, is doing with Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he proved he can be very effective in that scheme. I don't think, and I've known Jeff Lurie for a long time, worked with him for a long time, and Howie Roseman as well, I think that they'd like to find a quarterback that can actually carry the team and be talked about in the top five, worst case, top seven quarterbacks in the league. I just think as you look at his, I mean, to me, the keys to the quarterback are how quick is he processing and how accurate is he throwing. If you can check both those boxes and the arm is at least adequate, you can win a lot of games in the NFL. I think when it comes to the processing part, and I want to say this carefully, processing is different than intelligence. I've worked with people, saw quarterbacks that were super smart people, but they weren't necessarily the quickest processor on the football field. And I saw people that I didn't think were that smart, and they had incredible instinct on how to process quickly on the field. So I'm not making a dissertation here on whether Hertz is smart or not. I'm just talking about the specific skill at processing quickly as you're about to get the ball snapped into your hands. I think there were some concerns there about just how quickly he processed, and maybe more time will improve that. And I think his accuracy is just okay. So if they're truly looking for a top five to seven quarterback, I personally don't think they have it in Hertz. And they're set up now that if that turns out to be true, they have a chance to get that guy. Jalen Hurts, uh, the uh, quarterback of the Eagles for the moment. And you, know, you just heard uh, Joe Banner walking you through uh, everything going on in Philadelphia right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Look, I-, I could sit here and say, which is the most important transaction from this past season and th- uh, past uh, March, which was off the charts. But the one that we know is going to have the longest ripple effect in this league is without a doubt the uh, fully guaranteed deal for Deshaun Watson. And I'm wondering how you see this playing out, that there's going to have to be an owner in this league that stares at his, you know, generationally talented kid quarterback who he is deeply and madly in love with, and why not, because of how good he is and how, um, to use the Mayock phrase, clean off the field that he is, and say to that person, I'm not guaranteeing every single dollar, I'm not putting that much money in escrow, sorry. 
right? I mean, that's the way it's going to go, or or an owner is just going to have to do this because the Haslam's just did for somebody that had 22 civil suits hanging over his head. What do you think? I think it's going to be really hard to be the owner that says that. Although when we think about the quarterbacks that are now or within a year going to get those new contracts, we have some of the owners that if anybody's going to say it, they're going to say it. I mean, Mike Brown is, I guarantee you, not happy with what happened, and he's a year away from having to sign a guy that just carried a team to the Super Bowl. You know, San Diego's a year away from needing to sign Justin Herbert. Not sure what's going on in Baltimore, but they presumably would like to sign their quarterback at any moment. These are mid-revenue to low-profit teams, and they bring the league back to a point where there were legitimate debates about whether low-profit teams versus high-profit teams was affecting the the competitive balance in the NFL. So I know we're in the weeds a little bit for the average fan, but this is going to affect you and your team sooner or later. And it will affect a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of contracts sooner or later, and some quarterbacks right away. So, uh, you know, the, somebody, some owner is going to get a lot of pressure to do that, whoever's doing the next deal. Because one deal, when you're negotiating, you can explain as an outlier or an aberration. You start to see two deals or three deals, a precedent is now established, and you don't have a case to make. So we've got a couple of owners. If anybody's going to take that hard position and at least postpone doing the deal, remember they could keep Burrow for three more years and two tags. Um, it's it's Cincinnati is the most likely team in the whole league to do that, hmm. so at least in terms of how far he took his team. They just had the quarterback that's the best of the group I just mentioned. So th- this is going to affect everything, and you're right. Not many owners are sitting with $200 million they can just put into an escrow account. Uh, and I know that sounds funny to the public because they're so wealthy, but they're just not structured in a way that that's a natural thing to do or a smart thing to do, frankly, in most instances. So w- what about Arizona? Don't you think that maybe whatever, you know, last time you were on, we talked about that, and I have it here still because, again, his stationery is so impressive, the Conor Murray stationery that uh, Eric Burkhart sent out his statement, his sort of, um, you know, uh, Jerry Maguire type manifesto saying that my guy wants to be your quarterback. He wants to be paid appropriately. Don't you think that whatever um, conversations that Kime, Steve Kime, the GM there, and Michael Bidwell, the owner, is there that's had with Eric Burkhart, um, uh, uh, Kyler's repre- representative, whatever framework was working on, got completely changed by the the Watson contract? Don't you think? One hundred percent. Not not even a maybe or probably a hundred percent. And, and as with every one of these guys that are coming up here soon that are playing at uh, such a high level, everything's changed. Now, there is a compromise outcome, okay. and it's dependent upon the quarterback, really. Because if you do a three- or four-year deal, and what Cleveland did is still problematic, but massively less problematic. What Cleveland did that created such a problem for everybody is they went out five years, made him the top-paid guy, skipping Rogers' contract, which is written in kind of funny way for the moment when I say that. Um, fully guaranteed the whole thing. And he's a guy that has a whole bunch of off-field problems. You didn't even get the normal forfeiture of guarantee language that we get in contracts with even players that have absolutely no questions whatsoever about their character. So it was the details of it that made it so problematic. Now, if Kyle Murray said, listen, I'll, I'll sign a three-year deal because I think the cap is going to go up in three years. I'm going to get even a bigger deal than you can give me now. I think Arizona would feel like they were lucky and they won. And then the amount of money needed to put in escrow and all the rest of that stuff goes down very dramatically. But I'm certainly, if I'm a player, I'm trying to figure out, well, why in the world should Sean Watson get anything I didn't get? And again, I'm talking about the top guys when I say that, the Burroughs and the Herberts. But that will be the fight. I mean, they're sitting there going, listen, either you get 
a partially guaranteed deal at the right average, or we can give you a very high average and a fully guaranteed contract, but they'll say it has to be three years, and then maybe they compromise it for. That's the only way these teams and these owners they have strong philosophical objections to what happened. That's the only compromise I can even think of, of how do I keep this guy? I mean, it's Joe Barrow. I'm not letting him go. But everything I've done for the last 40 years of my life as an owner of the team says everything Cleveland did is everything I don't believe in. <laughs> Maybe they go to a shorter-term deal as a compromise to at least get it done. And listen, there is an argument from the player's side. With the way the cap is going to go up, maybe I'm better going back to the market three years. i got some choices if I want to go to other, another team or this isn't the right place for me. And instead of waiting five years, I have to wait three. I'm getting a fully guaranteed contract. And probably the quarterback's going to make even more money three years from now than five years from now. It's not a crazy thing for a player to think of doing. And it will, won't eliminate, it will mitigate the damage that the Watson contract did to the market as a whole. So, uh, Joe, before I let you go, I guess I'm going to get greedy, and I will now ask you which, which uh, March transaction do you think will affect wins and losses the most? Um, and, and it could be on, on either end. Adams goes to uh, Vegas and leaves a hole atop the offense um, for Green Bay, anything like that? Russell Wilson, Tyreek Hill. I mean, the names were insane last month, Joe. Which one do you think yeah. is most it impactful? A blast. I mean, listen, we're gonna, I'm going to put Deshaun aside for a moment, which I do think is the most consequential because it's going to affect so much in the future. I mean, my, my answer to this question is Russell Wilson. I do not see the deterioration from what I believe is an extremely high level of performance that some people seem to feel like they've seen in the last year or two. I think Devin has a lot of other positives. Obviously, the primary negative is in a division that's just impossible. Hmm. I mean, you could be a very good team and come fourth place in that division. It wouldn't even be shocking. In fact, a very good team will come in fourth place in that division. So that scares me. But I just think Russell is an outstanding player. I think he's actually been held back by the scheme and the approach they've taken to the game in Seattle. And I think he has the ingredients there in, in Denver to really make a dramatic difference. If they were in any other division, I would be calling them like the sleeper team that people know has some talent but still underestimated and now they have a top tier quarterback so i'm gonna go with russell wilson joe banner uh much appreciated 33rdteam.com to read uh joe's musings as well as on twitter i appreciate you taking the time here joe always Always a pleasure thanks right right back at you that's joe banner right here on the rich eisen show no joke folks no joke the watson contract is a watershed moment. Players deserve to get what theirs. I've said it over and over and over again. I'm not one of these folks that's going to pound the table and say, this is the death knell for the sport. It is not. It is not. Cap goes up. You still have to figure out how to work under a cap. The league has some minimums you have to hit for teams. Like, for instance, it's not like baseball where the Baltimore Orioles have a jewel of a stadium and a passionate fan base in Camden Yards and Orioles fans and have a payroll of like 40 million bucks. That's not happening in the NFL. No. Okay? So I'm not concerned about competition. I'm not concerned about any of this. I'm just telling you what I just had a conversation with Joe Banner. There will be an owner that will say to his guy who is generationally talented and the fans love, and he will look that player in the eye and say, I love you. I love what you've done. I love who you are. I love how you represent us, this city, yourself. But I am not cutting a check for $200 million and putting it in escrow. I am not doing it. 
for two reasons. One, I don't have it. <laughs> and two, it's bad for business. For this entire league that I have been in for ever in a day or I just got in. I didn't buy into the league. You know, I I spent all that money to buy in the league, not to spend all this punt money and sit it in escrow. I love you. But just because Deshaun Watson got it doesn't mean I have to give it to you. That's not in the collective bargaining agreement. I must give you what Deshaun Watson gave you. So I'm sorry. We're not going to do it. Let's figure something else out. And the other compromise could be reached, as Joe Banner just said. Shorter-term contract, fully guaranteed. And you get out of your deal sooner. I may have to pay you more then. But that's better than me having to slice a big, fat, nine-figure check and park it in escrow. And there may be another situation of that happening, and the player's like, I'm not signing on a shorter-term deal. I want what Watson gave me, and that's the end of that. And I'm not coming back here anymore. Screw you. I, I fully believe that's coming down the pike. And the guy who <laughs> Banner pegged and the situation that he pegged as the guy who could do that and would do that is Mike Brown of the Bengals with Joe Burrow coming up. And Bengals fans might sit there and go, well, Joe might not be that guy. And, you know, maybe they can compromise or whatever. Sure. But the Bengals fans also go, uh-oh. Yeah, we know Mike Brown. Guy who voted against instant replay becoming permanent in my first owner's meeting. He's one of the first. He's the only one to say, yeah, no. <laughs> only guy who doesn't have a... Uh, uh, a sign on his stadium. Yep. You know? He's just a different cat. It's coming. I don't know if it's going to be him, but I think it's coming down the pike one day. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, set up hour number three here on the Rich Eisen Show. Don't go anywhere. We've got Ian O'Connor to talk about everything Tiger and Coach K in hour three. Back here on the program of this promotional announcement. In 10 minutes' time, we will get a phone call from the man who called last night's national championship game and will be calling this week's Masters. Nance Apalooza is fully underway, and Jim Nance kind enough to call into this program in 10 minutes' time. Look at us. And then Ian O'Connor will join us to talk Coach K and Tiger as well. Look at us. Yes, look at us. I got a question for you, TJ Jefferson. I know you're posting about wrestling and stuff like that, so I don't mean to just jump in on you like this, but I got a question for you. Sure. UNC losing last night, the manner in which they lost, good or bad for Duke fans? I mean, I... Would I, you I, rather lose to the team that wins it all, or you are just thrilled that UNC got so close and it, it hurts so good? for you what do you think okay if i'm going to be like completely honest i, you, not I, pr- the, I really need you to be i got i've got to get the honesty i gotta be, get it it would be easy to say like yeah it feels great that they lost i mean honestly it still stinks that duke lost to north carolina of right uh and would it have been even worse had north carolina won a national title of course that would have just that would have been worse i mean yeah it would have been worse i, I don't know you want don't you want to because you you got beat by the Cameron Crazy's no. got got beat okay, by Carolina, minute, question, and then, but they didn't win at all. You know, uh, so I guess I'm confused. I'm telling you that 
this would have been even worse had they beat Duke and gone on to win the national title. Like, okay, that's not all know. right. That's I, I I don't know. Also, I, I put up I the just po- take a different. I, 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 I put up a- the poll right after the game. Does it make you feel any better, TJ and and Duke fans out there, if you want to call? That they blew the biggest lead in championship. That's history. what I'm saying. The manner in which they lost. Yeah, yeah, I get what you. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it makes you feel a little bit better. It makes I you feel a little bit better. Yeah, that's what I'm keep... saying. It would have been worse if they would have gone on and won the national title on top of beating Coach K at Cameron, knocking yeah. him out of the tournament, and winning the national. T- My goodness, what could like that would have been I... the absolute worst. Am I in the am I an outlier saying I'd prefer yeah. to lose to the team that wins it all? Yeah, but not that. Team. Not 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 in this particular. Not that. Team. Most instances, yes. Right. Not in this particular. I guess I got to put it in the position. If it was Ohio that. State, would I want Ohio State no, to win it all? Of course not. No, you definitely not. Look, I'm not even that much into this rivalry. You live and die on Michigan, Ohio State. So I I think for some reason, I keep going back to the intern that I really was into back at the Staten Island advance. And (laughs) I really wanted to go out and what happened again? Well, she wasn't into me. Right. and, And wound up, you know, not only rejecting my advances, uh, but then going out with a photographer at the paper. Okay. So and you wanted all of his pictures to be blurry? No, 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 no. I'm a professional. Like I was, you know, I was able to come to work. I wasn't, but it was still just disappointing. Yeah. But then they wound up getting married. So then you don't, yeah, that makes it, be- it definitely makes it better. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. So, but at least you didn't have Josh. I don't Lucas. think the marriage lasted, oh. but uh, that makes you feel good. Right? No, it doesn't. Why? No, of course not. Because well, why not? Because I don't like it when people, you know, yeah, that, 50% happens to everybody. Nice. Yeah, but, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I felt better that I lost to, who, you know. Okay, you answered your question. Who, who put yourself, got the ultimate victory. Michigan, Ohio State. Put yourself into this situation. Yeah, see, now, How would you have felt? Yeah, you you would not have wanted ever. Ohio State to have won the national title. To get to the final game, be up by as much as they were up, and now they're in the record books of blowing the largest right. lead in the history now of the national championship satisfying. game. Even when you lose, I win. <laughs> That was Rory Williams last night. <laughs> That's true. Right? I think Roy's, Roy was sad yesterday, I think. Well, I think he wanted Carolina to win. Right. That's you know, when he come down to it. Coach Smith, yeah. Right. Right. I'm just trying to see. I'm trying to put my myself in your spite shoes for the moment. I'm not even being Come on. I don't know, you man. I, I just, you want to win. Because you could say at least they beat us and they beat everybody. Right, but you it, don't want to lose to that. Yeah, you don't want Chris your is rival right. to win the title. Anybody else that could just in your conference, like whatever. So, in a sense, I do feel that way because when the Giants went to the Super Bowl against the Pats, yeah. I kind of rooted for them just because of the NFC East thing. Yeah. But overall, not Duke Carolina. Wouldn't work like that. Right. It's a different level of spite. Yeah. yeah. That's, okay. that's Richard the King Petty. I just want to get this out of the way before Nance joins us. I got to get the spite out of the way. Do you think Nance has any spite in his body? I don't think he's not a spiteful man. No. It's so fun, though. An A, <laughs> an a plus, plus, plus storyteller, Jim Nance. Hey, Rich, speaking of you know, the intern at the paper, yeah. like you said, she married the photographer and they got married. That's yeah. not bad, but how would you like to have been Josh Lucas? Remember from last year, we're like, oh, the girl we went out with, and then she went out with a guy who ended up no, buying no, a plane. No, he didn't go out with her. He said that he was talking to her online. Oh, that's he says right. he's now in the world. Had, and then she and had a she new boyfriend. Up, she, uh, yeah, and he, wanted, he wanted to date her, right. and she said, I'm already taken. Oh, by the way, though, he's got the plane from Sweet Home <laughs> Alabama <laughs> that you flew. <laughs> 
We haven't revisited that story. <laughs> Not just a plane. plane. He had a week. hanger. So he had multiple right, planes. Right, That's right. right. He's, he owned multiple planes. In his hangar yeah. is the exact plane the that you were in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to come that back? That like made him famous. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. So they, that's a little rough right there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know... Is that the similar, like he's he's lost out an opportunity to maybe find love? <laughs> okay, so I don't know, I'm just trying you, to... It, okay, Rich, would it make it any better, with going back to your story, right? Yes. She was just uninterested, right, from the get-go? Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't know if I had... I, I, I don't know if the full package you see her today... Was, is what I is what I was. Uh, were you not laying your game down quite flat? Rich? I don't know if I was you featuring know? that okay, back totally in the day. Understand. So would it make it any better or yes. easier if you for you to understand TJ yes. and mine's like spite position? Yes. If you had been dating, yes. She broke up with you for uh, this guy. Uh, I mean, you know what I mean. And then they and then they got married and then they got divorced. You'd be happy they got divorced. I don't think I'd be ever happy anybody's gotten divorced. I've what heard. You, oh, I'm that's, happy that's for crazy. you. That's great. Huh? I'm happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Jake exactly. Valley. Yeah, you're yeah. a good fighter. I'm, I got you back. I, I I don't know. People get divorced every day. There's one happening right now. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, Brockman's right. Just right now, someone think, got slapped. I think I need to get off the subject matter to make sure. I know. I think I need to get off the subject matter to make sure that fifty percent is not mine. Not in this room. <laughs> you know. Come on, Susie. To move on. Susie's not going Jim anywhere. Nance is Rich. next. Did I Come mention on. Jim Nance is next? Hey, Jim Nance. Brockman, like Susie's going to go somewhere. She's going to go better than Rich Eisen. Exactly. Oh, let's Come on. Go, let's throw a break. <laughs> <laughs>